All right, America, the motion picture. This movie was pretty interesting. It's a collaboration of the people who worked on Archer, 21 and 22 Jump Street, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It's in collaboration with Phil Lord Productions. The animation quality for this movie is really good. It has a lot of the Archer, Archer type of animation in there, and it has a lot of that Archer type of comedy. Like if you've seen them, if you've seen the animated series Archer, it is it is a really funny series. And it has like a lot of these mean-spirited jokes in there, but like it, it, this movie is so bad that it's funny, kind of, kind of movie. Let's see. Here. Let's start with the story. The story is about is mostly, mostly like a sad satirical take on the American Revolution is most and mostly about American culture in general. The opening starts out with the founding fathers playing a game of beer pong, trying to name, trying to figure out what they should say as an introduction to the Declaration of Independence. They were in the building where they were signing the Declaration of Independence, and John Hancock was playing beer pong with the other with his other founding father. I didn't. Say his name and I didn't recognize it's just like a whole big fraternity there they were playing beer pong to decide whether to start the to start the decoration of independence with we the people or or we rich white guys and then like it, this movie has a lot of cringy jokes now this movie is just full of cringy jokes full of these other references from other pop culture movies these references and these jokes They've all been played out before. Like, uh, yeah, I get they were trying to do like a satirical comedy, kind of like a South Park style comedy mixed with like these different animation studios and these writers working together to create like some sort of, you know, comedic movie revolving around the founding of America. But this film is really just ridiculous. They just put all the ridiculousness in there with a bunch of cringy jokes with a bunch of stupid references. Benedict Arnold shows up and he, this is the point where he switches sides from the colonists to the British. Like, yeah, we all we all know the story of Benedict Arnold. And then like the British come in to kill every last one of the founding fathers in in the building and then it cuts to a theater where Abraham Lincoln was given like a speech. It feels like he's talking to you and then it turns out he's actually talking to the concessions guy. Who who I assume is John Wilkes Booth. And then he was arguing with the guy about like overpriced concessions like overpriced t-shirts overpriced like everything he's also attending the con the concert with george washington who for some reason is best friends with abraham lincoln even though both of them didn't live around the same time and then for some reason lincoln is a better leader than george washington the first president of the united states i get that we're trying to make this comparison of lincoln being much more mature much more of a better leader than george washington because in this movie george washington is kind of like a party frat guy you know he's just like a goofball who likes to party around a lot and then yeah and then abe is like this responsible guy but like these guys are like best buds all right and then like it, it, go, it goes into this like you know concert performance and then like they do their own parody of the blue man group which is just the red white and blue man group they have like the color scheme of the american flag they're like resembling the color scheme of the american flag and then benedict arnold shows up at the balcony where george and abe were sitting and george is busy watching the concert and then uh Abraham Lincoln and Benedict Arnold go like this back and forth like skit about like coming out of the closet is a coming out of the closet joke where Abe thought that Benedict Arnold was coming out of the closet to him and then it's just a back and forth thing. Benedict Arnold he just you know comes out and says like he switched sides to the British and then 
he shows Lincoln the Declaration of Independence with, you know, it's all spattered in blood from the found, from the other founding fathers. And then, like, he tries to get George to pay attention to this, and then they tries to warn him about Benedict Arnold. And then, you know, George, he's just, you know, He's just ignoring him. He's just watching the concert. And then Benedict Arnold comes out of nowhere. He turns into this werewolf engine just... And he just kills Abraham Lincoln. He uses his wolf powers to, to like, rip out his throat. You know, George watches. Benedict gets away. And then and then George... Uh, then, then George, you know, tra- holds Lincoln in his arms. You know, he's dying in his arms. And Lincoln... It's just this long... It's just this really long out death scene, right? death scene for Abraham Lincoln. He's trying to say his final words to George and then all the, the, the blood from his throat is just splattering all over him and George. And George is like trying to keep his best not from the, not to get the blood in his mouth. And, and then like in his final words, like he says he wants George to avenge him and be the leader for the people and to name his country, to name this to name the land America. George's response to that is that like maybe they could spitball it a little bit more and maybe they could come up with a better name. And then Abe said, no, it's got to be America or something like that. And then Abe dies. <laughs> he voided his bowels too, I guess. The writers also watch, apparently watch a few episodes of South Park and American Dad. Because apparently when you die, you void your bowels. Which, I don't know if that's true, and I don't want to know if that's true. And then, and then he goes to like into this big dramatic no, but like he's trying to, he's trying so hard to like not throw up because Abe voided his bowels. And... Alright, and in the next scene, uh, George chase, chases Benedict out of the building. And he and he picks a fight with the Redcoats that are Benedict's. His bodyguards, basically. And, like, they're both getting into, like, a really intense fight. It's just, George is outnumbered. And then, suddenly, George just put, just, like, goes all Wolverine. And, like, he Wolverine, he, like, Wolverine claws out like Wolverine. Now they're just coming out with full-on X-Men right there. Yeah, he, he fights, he fights, like, this mini-boss guy that's Benedict's, that's one of Benedict's bodyguards. And he, he, and he, uh, he kills him. Benedict gets away. And then it comes to Abe's funeral. And yeah, and then there's this woman who goes up and comforts George after losing his friend. And then it just jump cuts to both of them having having sex and you know having sex at George's place. And then like yeah, you know, this woman yeah, you know, this woman is supposed to be Martha Washington, the first, like George Washington's wife. <laughs> she's voiced by Judy Greer. And then suddenly she sounds like this kind of over supportive hot type of wife for George and like she comes out saying she's pregnant to George and George is all ecstatic and she's all like really <laughs> yeah and then and then George comes out and says you know this could be the opportunity to have something you never had a family and then Martha Washington is all like oh gross you're an orphan and then George responds with oh oh god no <laughs> oh god I, I guess that's a really big f you to orphans out there <laughs> all right and then like Martha encourages George to avenge Abe and pursue and finish his dreams of building America and in order for him to do that he needs to assemble a crew basically and the first guy he some and the first guy he recruits is Samuel Adams then it comes to like this fraternity house at some college campus and Samuel Adams is partying with his bros at his fraternity yeah he's just chugging some beers and then George approaches Sam and he recruits him 
He wants, you know, like, it's just a thing where the British are, have, like, too many rules. They have, like, you know, something to do with taxes. They're all been taxing the colonists. They have too many rules. They are not allowed to assembly or free speech or any of that stuff. And, you know, Samuel Adams is in. And then they need to recruit another guy. He wanted to recruit someone who could possibly have, is good traveling from one place to another really quick. And the guy they think of next is Paul Revere. Then they go to, like, this, what I assume looks like the L.A. River like a very dry LA river it kind of looks like that and then they do like this whole parody sequence of the fast and the furious but except with cars they're racing horses you know all fast and furious style Paul Revere's in first place and then Samuel Samuel Adams and George Washington introduce themselves to Paul Revere and when he takes off his helmet it turns out he's this very loner like really mentally challenged loner and his best friends are out are all animals george and sam like really try to bail and then paul he's very desperate for some human friends and then and then like the cops show up breaking up the race and then and paul offers him paul is the getaway driver he drive he grabs george and samuel rides and escapes from the police and yeah and then uh, they say then they say y'all paul revere is recruited and then they heard a, and then they heard a rumor of Thomas Ed- Edison, and they want to recruit Thomas Edison because they need brains on the team. This is just like a typical like recruiting your crew kind of thing. Okay, then they go to like a town square where Thomas Edison was being burnt at the crisp for basically doing science. Thomas Edison was just you know creating hypothesis, testing it, and he get and Thomas Edison gets burned. You know, at the stick, like a witch. And then, like, before Thomas Edison could get burned, he does, you know, Edison does this really cool escape sequence. He, you know, he releases some sort of, like, a bomb from his shoe, which which freaks everybody out, and it gave him a chance to escape. And he grabs his electric gloves and just electrocutes all the redcoats there. And Samuel Adams, Paul Revere, and George Washington while watching from a roof across. While watching from a roof. And then they come down there, and they wanted to speak to Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison was wearing a hood throughout all all that cool action sequence thing and it turns out thomas edison is a is a chinese woman is an immigrant chinese woman voiced by olivia munn apparently the joke is that thomas thomas edison is a chinese woman you know samuel adams paul revere and george washington were confused and questioning the you know questioning thomas thomas edison chinese woman presently she wants in against the british because like the british they are trying to keep her from doing science and you know they're calling her witch and always trying to burn her and they have like too many rules so she so she's in with taking down toppling down an empire the crew is almost yet complete until until they need until they needed to track her and they find and then they find this indian guy his name is geronimo I I don't know who Geronimo is. I don't know if he's an actual historical figure, but apparently he's good at tracking. And then like they do like this dog, the bounty hunter style sequence with his character introduction. And then they you know the crew they visit Geronimo and he you know they were just talking, they were negotiating, and they want to recruit Geronimo. And then Geronimo says, uh, "What's in it for me?" And then like yeah, they were all discussing what they wanted. And then Geronimo said, uh, "What about my land back for my people?" And then George reluctantly says yes and then you know geronimo being the skeptic you know being he's being all skeptical he said really you know in questions that he wants to he just keeps questioning george the, you know the, he wants the entire land back 100 percent no questions asked 
boom, done. Kind of funny because it almost seems like these these guys, these people, they have never talked to an Indian guy before. And when they do, they always seem to bring up like this, the past. And yeah, and then it's it's just kind of awkward when, yeah, it's just awkward. Yeah, it's kind of like the equivalent of like watching your best friend kiss your girlfriend. And then the next time you see your best friend, it's just really awkward to talk to them. It's just that equivalent when they were talking to Geronimo. It's just like this awkward kind of feeling right there in the atmosphere. But long story short, Geronimo's in. And then you know, the, crew's all, the crew's all formed up. And they get intel that Benedict Arnold is in a, is in a bar called Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. It's just a, for all you know, that that's probably just an inside joke to the Vietnam War. But except like it's all Vietnamese theme, but for some reason it's all red coats in there instead of like Viet Cong or Vietnamese people in there. It's just like full of red coat British in that bar. And then like the team, they were hiding in an alley across the street and they were trying to figure out their plan of attack. And then Samuel Adams, Samuel Adams just well first George Washington goes uh, goes on the speech about him like going in first, and then the rest of the crew is all like uh, okay, and then George is all like what? Oh, come on, guys. I thought you were going to, like, you know, say you're you're going to go in there with me. You know, like, you, we, we're a team, you know. Like, the other crew just goes silent after that. And then Sam is all like, okay, F this. And he just busts through the Vietnam bar. And, then, and you know, they're, conf- they're confronted by Tom. But they're confronted by Benedict Arnold and his goons. Then, like, uh, Washington's side throws the first punch. And then it just goes into this really big bar fight. It's taking place outside the bar and then like and then you know it all goes down benedict arnold escapes from the back exit and geronimo is the only one who catches him and then like the rest of the crew is just finding red coats at the bar and then the bar is just dismantled and it explodes yeah it's just that cartoon logic where they just explode and they're all right and geronimo he catches up with benedict arnold benedict arnold turns into a werewolf again and he bites geronimo's arm and then Benedict Arnold gets away and starts to slowly turn into a werewolf. And then like uh, Thomas Edison catches up to him and yeah, she she sees that his arm is turning into a werewolf. And then and then like Geronimo asks Thomas Edison to give to give him his, his axe. And then Thomas is Thomas isn't sure to whether to give it to him. And okay, and then like Thomas Thomas gives Geronimo the axe and his axe and he cuts off his arm. Yeah, Tom and Benedict Arnold is like getting away, and the whole crew catches up to Geronimo and Thomas Edison. Geronimo says, "Grow on without me, you'll be okay." And then Thomas said, "Like she'll stay behind and watch him." And George, George is all like, "You know, they, George doesn't want to leave anyone behind, so he takes Geronimo and Thomas Edison, and they all ride on Paul Revere's horse, and they chase after Benedict Arnold, and he gets away. You know, they the first mission they had together it wasn't success." And they then they rendezvous back at George Washington's pad. Yeah, and they rendezvous in his man cave basically. Yeah, George Thomas Edison is ready for is ready for another plan of attack. And George says, you know, he's give, he's giving up. He he tried his best, but it just wasn't good enough. Actually, he didn't say that at first. He's just all depressed that the mission didn't go well. And then Martha come, Martha Washington comes in with beer and snacks for everybody. And she takes a look at the crew, and she's all impressed with George. With George, but George is—he's all depressed. He's playing his guitar, and he said he wants to give up the the leadership and the politics. It's all Abe's thing, and he wants to do his own thing and just like party his sorrows away. But Martha, she comes up with a speech about like not giving up and you know. 
darkest is before the dawn kind of thing. And like, uh, you know, and Abe wouldn't give up and she would say like if Abe was still alive, you know, whenever he would accomplish his dreams, then he would have time to do all this party stuff with George. And George was all surprised. And he said if Abe can do it, and he's just thinking if Abe can do it, then so can I. And like, uh, just like that, he's back to, the, he's back to, you know back to the revolution and then like drawn drawn him all like it's just speaking out loud and then he shows everyone his arm his werewolf arm and yeah and he tells everyone the only thing that can kill a werewolf is a silver bullet and they were all thinking who they could find a blacksmith to make into a silver bullet and then paul so happens that paul revere knows someone who could who can make a bullet and it's a black and then this next joke it's just gonna get really stupid and really like it's just gonna get really stupid so they they find this blacksmith and this guy is and this guy he is a literal literal blacksmith like he's a black guy who's a blacksmith i assume that this guy is john henry because like he's he's wielding a giant hammer he's a black guy He's a big black guy wielding a giant hammer. And okay, and the blacksmith he's voiced by Keller Mike. And then it just goes through like this family Family Guy style joke where they're like having a hard time talking to the black guy because he's black. And then if you notice that in more recent Family Guy episodes, like uh, you know, whenever there's a black character, it seems like you know, they're having a hard time talking to him because he's black. You know, like a like a, a white person has never talked to a black person before. And then, it, and then this and it, it, the whole dialogue and the whole exchange just just gets really, really cringy. I mean, like it just gets really, really stupid, and it's really, really stupid. Like you just want the conversation to be over already. Like uh, I don't know if you, I don't know if this is actually a thing. It probably is. Somehow it's just this reoccurring joke where white people don't know how to talk to black people. Yeah, he said he can make a silver bullet, but he needs the silver. And then yeah, so and then all of them see posters for a uh, for you know the tea party, which you know you get anyone who knows American history could know that reference, the tea party, and the tea party is being held on the Titanic. Yeah, I know. The tea party is being held in Titanic. It's just going to be all these kinds of references to other historical figures and pop culture icons and other movies. But anyway, yeah, the tea party is being held in Titanic. And since the British like seized all the silver from the colonists, they figured that there has to be a lot of silver spoons and silver items in the Titanic. So the so the crew along with the blacksmith they go to the port where the t- Titanic is at and George Washington forms a plan and he wants bla- he wants the blacksmith to be a lookout and then then the blacksmith just bails and then he then George Washington makes Geronimo the lookout and he asks if Geronimo was okay being the lookout and then Geronimo was all like yeah whatever and the crew they infiltrate the Titanic but they it's more like they they were caught basically they didn't infiltrate it they were caught in that time they were caught by the redcoats and stored in that titanic's prison and then thomas edison tries to come up with a plan and then you know george washington he gives uh, like a really intense speech and then and then like uh, he has paul revere punch a wall that was in their prison cell and and on the other side of that wall they're full of colonists who have been abducted by the british and they're inside like these two things and they're and the colonists are being turned into British redcoats, 
and it's just this stereotype of like British having white white powder hair and like these crooked ass horse mouth teeth. Yeah, they're, and they're just being turned into the red coat British. And Thomas Edison like hacks the term try is trying to hack the terminal of the of the tubes to try to get a pinpoint of Benedict Arnold's location. They find like a wall that seems to be plans for a bigger like end game. And Benedict Arnold is a part of that, and he, and you know, Thomas Edison again is trying to hack the terminal. George Washington assigns everyone missions, and his mission is to free the colonists from being turned into, is to free the colonists from the tubes who are being turned into the British. But like in doing so, he inadvertently caused the caused the terminal to go haywire, and basically like. The Titanic just explodes and it sinks. The crew made it out alive, but they witnessed the Titanic sinking, and you know it's just it's just this funny thing when they try to get their story straight. And the Titanic is sinking, and Samuel says, "And if anybody asks, the Titanic was hit by an iceberg." And then everybody's on agreement, and then they just get the hell out of there. But like a mission accomplished, they still managed to get the silver. And then, it, then the scene cuts to George. Then the scene cuts to Benedict Arnold back in England. You know, and he's having a meeting with King King James. King James in this movie, he's voiced by Simon Pegg. For some reason, he's on a flying like chair thing, so he's Modoc. And then at the same time, he's Darth Vader, and at the same time, he's Emperor. He's Emperor Palpatine. So it's just a mix of Marvel and Star Wars references for. For King James. And then like uh, they both have like this both. They both have like this big plan for a big conquest of America. King King James he he has like this weird pet soccer ball thing. And he and it, it, it eats the engineer's face. And yeah it's just, I think it's just to show how much of a typical supervillain he is. And yeah and then like King James he's just like. He's just a mix of Modoc, Darth Vader and. Emperor Palpatine and you know and Benedict Arnold is there and like he just gives his face he just gives like this traitorous like a face where he's gonna betray and it's pretty obvious George and Martha in bed together and George is all depressed but like uh, Martha tries to comfort him and George shows Joe shows Martha that the mission was technically accomplished because they were able to get to get the silver spoons to make the silver bullet but then like martha martha really tries to comfort george but like george isn't having it and he just says he's just gonna go to sleep and then then it comes to like a dream sequence where abraham lincoln is talking to george in a dream you know they're both talking like you know like they're bros and like they're still alive abraham and abraham lincoln is talking to him and he's just talking about like this big cinematic type of sequence where George Washington is fighting like a four-headed hydra made up of all King James's rules and every time he cuts it off a new rule will appear and then it's just some sort of like big kind of metaphorical type of dream if George Washington was actually living that dream. A, a encourages George to keep fighting and to keep being the leader but like he does he only wants George to try. He has big dreams and he he knows that he can believe in his best because despite all of George's flaws, he's he's still a good person, and he knows that he he's left America in good hands. Benedict Arnold and his goons break into George Washington's house to take Martha, and Martha was abducted by Benedict Arnold in her own house. Then it cuts to the next scene where he suddenly knows where the crew's hanging out. They're hanging out in this mall. Okay, it's just like it's just like this reoccurring thing where the modern world is colliding with the past. 
and suddenly like to get like all these technological advancements, which is science. And it just kind of really contradicts like Thomas Edison's mission, her purpose for 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 the entire movie, because like they they have helicopters, they have trains, they have they have the means to build a mall and a food court, and they have the means to build all of these other stuff that we have today. But for some reason, like you know, they they're hanging out at this food court at at a mall, just eating food, and then George George comes up to them and he said he had an epiphany. Mostly, like, they're, they want to find out what's Benedict's move, and they know that there's a secret meeting in Gettysburg because of the because the scene with the Titanic, but they don't know the exact pinpoint, so they need to find the address. And then George, George is thinking, then he comes up with a brilliant idea where Abraham Lincoln was actually a cryptologist, which meaning that he decrypt codes, and he believes that America is code for something. It could probably be the code to the Gettysburg address. And then, you know, that's a better plan than any. And then the crew just go along with George's plan. But, like, before they do that, they won who who could who could deliver the silver to the blacksmith. And then they all do, like, nose ghosts. And then, so you have it drawn almost the last one. And he's all pissed about it. But he just goes along with it. And he's having a hard time carrying the spoons. And, yeah, and then, like, you know, it's just that... Yeah, it's just like that archer humor where the handicapped guy is just struggling to just do basic things like carrying bags of spoons. The forest where George, where George and Abe's child, childhood treehouse. George is like introduces everybody to a to him and Abe's like childhood treehouse. So you know like these things. It's just one of those things you see in that show Treehouse Maker where they just build like these really awesome treehouse. And even Abraham Lincoln has an has a physical address called Four Score Lane. <laughs> All right, and then like they go inside like their old treehouse and. And then George finds like a secret room where Abe has been hiding and he gets to work decrypting the decrypting the code America. America that Abe left behind. And it goes like to this montage of George like doing trial and error stuff. And then Thomas Edison and Paul Revere have a heart to heart. They both explain their reasons for fighting in the war. And Thomas Edison just wants science for everybody like no matter who they are or where they came from. And Paul he's fighting in the war because he wants to make friends. He's a very lonely guy all, all his life. His friends were animals and he makes a friend in Thomas Edison. George Washington comes in and he says he's cracked the code. And then and then he figured out that the address was one Amer was one America at Lane. That's in Gettysburg. So they both so they both arrive at the address and it's a and it's a house where the red coats are meeting for their plans. Yeah, Thomas Edison is spying through them through her binoculars, then she shows George Washington and they both come in with a plan of attack. Alright, so they approach so they approach the house and the door's unlocked and they have like they have laser beams like these guys can't acknowledge science. But for some reason they have like laser security in those like in those James Bond movies. They both do like this get smart style thing where they try to like walk through the walk through the lasers or like at least try to do like this yoga thing thing of crawling of getting through the lasers but Thomas like points at the lasers and it turns out the lasers were just yarn. And then like uh, they both search throughout the house, they take out any red coat they see, but all the red coats were fake. Yeah, and you know they were set it set on a rescue mission. So Martha's there. It turns out it's a fake Martha, and it's all it's all trap. And it turns out Benedict Arnold left a bomb for the crew. And so Paul Revere he takes the bomb, he takes it far away, and then his horse he leaves them. You know he's talking to his horse, and for some reason the horse is Hispanic. He's talking to him in a Spanish accent, and he's talking. The horse takes the bomb with him, and the horse dies. 
Paul Revere, Paul Revere goes to Horse Corpse, and then everyone, they find Paul Revere. He's crying over his dead horse, and Thomas Edison knows someone who could restore the horse, basically. And, you know, they go over to this veterinarian's house, and she she's offering to do a lot of questionable things to bring this horse back to life. And Paul says, you know, whatever you have to do, yeah, you know, just do it. All right, and then it cuts to this other scene where, then it cuts to the next scene with King James. King James is just, he's just, he's just gorging himself on KFC, McDonald's, Burger King, you know, you name it. He's just gorging on all that stuff, you know, double crust, st stuffed crust pizza. It's just like this weird gross thing. He has Martha there all tied up and then Martha, she's like disgusted by it. And then like he's having like this talk about what they're going to do when they conquer the new land. And then Benedict just like pulls another Benedict Arnold. He stabs the king and... He wants to be the supreme ruler of America and the world. So he kills he kills King James and for some reason like the guards some come in or like nobody just comes in and to see or like tries to kill Benedict for killing the king. Okay, yeah, anyway, yeah, Benedict kills the king and now he's in charge of the empire, so to speak. Like the Star Wars like empire of King James's kingdom. Alright, then uh, after that scene, it goes down to George Washington, like, trying to inspire the rest of his crew, saying, like, to go home and prepare, prepare, like, ready your arsenals, ready everything you got, because next time, next day, is going to be the final battle. And then it just goes into a sequence of everyone getting ready. Thomas Edison is doing, like, science stuff. Samuel Adams is back in his fraternity, equipping himself with beer and other stuff. And then uh, George is visiting Lincoln's grave. And then, and then he's looking at the picture, and at the back of the picture, it says, George, I wish I had a million friends like you. And then George, he has, like, another epiphany. If someone like Abe, who trusts George, you know, trusts someone like George really, really heartily, then, you know, George feels like he could do it. And then for some reason, in the distance, it, it, there's, like, this glowing thing, this glowing plot point, and then it turns out to be a Yalmart, which is just a parody version of Walmart, basically. Yeah, you, all, you, you get the joke. Everyone likes to make fun of Walmart. Alright, and then like uh, George Washington, he goes in and, uh, you know, he goes in and he buys guns. He, he goes into his Yalmar and he buy he, he's talking to the clerk about buying guns. And then, and then the clerk says, what the gun's for? And then George Washington, he lies and then he says, uh, for hunting? And then he says, oh, great. The clerk says that there's a waiting period. Then he, he pulls out his pocket watch and he says, it's... And the waiting period's done. And so, like, uh, he gives George Washington, like, a catalog of all the guns and shit. I mean, he gives George Washington a catalog of all the guns. And George, he's just browsing through them. And then he's asking for, like, AR-15s and, you know, all the other band, like, armed armed rifles. And, yeah, and he's just, yeah, I think it's just a casual joke about how it's easy to buy guns in America. You know, without doing, like, a background check and all that. And then... Then after that, it cuts to, like, George looking over the horizon on a cliff, and he's getting ready to prepare for the final battle. Thomas Edison and Samuel Adams, they show up behind him, and they said they're ready to go to war. Now, George, he's... And then George... George is wondering whether they're ready, and then in the horizon is the British Army getting ready to fight the war. And then, like, there's millions of them, and for some reason, they're all in war elephants. They know that they had elephants in England. Yeah, it's like, and then, like, they have, like, these giant AT-ATs in Star Wars, but they're made out of those British buses. Yeah, it's just this ridiculous thing, and then, like, the clock, Big Ben, is suddenly, like, a giant super robot 
super giant robot kaiju thing. George Washington and the crew were looking over the horizon. They were all fucked. Geronimo and the blacksmith show up. Yeah, before all this, Geronimo and the blacksmith are just hanging out together. They go to a strip club and then like they're just, both of them are just like bad talking like George, George and the other crew, except for Thomas because like they're white and they're like ignorant and illiterate. They're just tired of being pushed around by them and they're just tired tired of them and they just vent out to them. Geronimo asks the blacksmith what's the status on the bullet and it turns out Geronimo, turns out the blacksmith already finished the bullet like a long time ago. Yeah and then like, they just party around at the uh, at the strip club before the final battle. Geronimo and blacksmith show up just in time for the battle and blacksmith and blacksmith he gives he gives George Washington the, fin, the finished silver bullet. Yeah you know like they gather like pounds and pounds of these uh, the silver material needed to make the silver bullet and with all that material the blacksmith only managed to make one silver bullet you know to kill benedict arnold and then like uh, the blacksmith says if there's just one white guy he wants to be in charge then uh, he might as well just let george washington be in charge then like uh, george sells everybody like the new t-shirts or t-shirts made by Tim Gunn and Betsy Ross, you know, like, you know, Betsy Ross was the, was the creator of the American flag, the first American flag, and, you know, it was made by Tim Gunn, and then, you know, Sammy Adams goes, like, Tim Gunn sounds like a badass name. These t-shirts, they look a lot like baseball, baseball shirts, and then George Washington comes up with, like, then, then George Washington, I don't know where it comes up with the sport of baseball. You know, America's pastime. Then George Washington, he's playing his guitar. And, yeah, then the American Eagle, he soared. It soars all over America. And then, and then out in the distance, it's just a whole, and then it's just a whole army of Americans of all different backgrounds and ethnicities. And even, like, some American myths, like Bunyan. And, yeah, you know, some American myths, like Bunyan, Johnny Appleseed, and everybody else, you know, they're, they're in the battlefield, they're in the battlefield too, they're getting ready to kick some ass. Goes on to this final battle, and, yeah, and George Washington just gives everyone, you know, an AR-15, and, yeah, they just do, like, this very Star Wars-like, Lord of the Rings-like final battle. It's a bit, is a mix of both Star Wars and Lord of the Rings final battle to destroy them all. And George Washington, he pulls out his chain, Wolverine chainsaw claws and he kills everyone. Thomas Edison can apparently fly like a, fly like Iron Man. And also, Paul Revere shows up and he's fused with his dead horse. And he became like a robo-cop centaur kind of thing kind of monstrosity and he's killing him and he's killing every red coat they see on site yeah you know what everyone is just fighting hard and yeah there's a lot of deaths on the field and it's just red red coats versus the americans and yeah and apparently the blacksmith he has the power of thor with his giant hammer so he's black thor basically yeah thomas edison i mean not not thomas edison benedict arnold he's flying around well, it looks like a TIE fighter in the shape of a British crown. And then, like, it cannot get any more stupid than the 18... Then the AT-ATs, like, come together and they start, like, blasting everything they see, whether if it's friend or foe. Yeah, and the Americans are being, like... They're getting, like, outgunned in this fight. And Thomas, Thomas Edison, he... She flies George Washington up to the main ship where Martha is being held captive. And it turns out Martha has been transformed into a Brit. This grayish ash-like hair and like this stupid British accent. And 
and then like Paul Revere, he does like this Luke Skywalker thing where he wraps, where he wraps a cord around the ATAT's legs, and then each of them start falling down like dominoes because they were next to each other. And then Benedict Arnold comes out of the Tie Fighter he was in, and he goes all full werewolf with the King's Pet Soccer Ball. The King's Pet Soccer Ball attacks Samuel Adams. Yeah, and Benedict Arnold kills Paul Bunyan's bull. And Paul Bunyan, he died in the middle of the battle. And so does his bull. And yeah, and Samuel Adams is fighting King King James's pet soccer ball. And he turns his soccer ball into a football. And he, throw, he throws the soccer ball away. Benedict Arnold unleashes Doomsday Device. And there's something coming out of Big Ben. And it turns out it's, it's a giant tea bag. You know, the, the crew from the bottom, they're watching. They're seeing the tea bag fly around. And it turns out the tea bag is going to be used to turn every American into a Brit basically and so the they're really trying to control the weather just trying to put like tea particles into the air so that tea will rain down from the sky and just and just turn everybody into bread the science behind it is just stupid samuel's ready to give up he tosses everyone a beer and then thomas Anderson's not ready to give up and she comes up with a plan to counteract the tea bag effects you know she builds she builds a device made out of science and she fires it into the sky she built a device that she basically needed a barrel, a tube, a gun, beer, and Paul Revere's horsepower. And she she was trying to blast that thing. It looks like she was aiming for the tea, for the giant tea bag in the sky, but it turns out she was only aiming at the she was only aiming at the sky, basically turning the air particles into beer. George and Martha, they're George and evil British Martha, they're fighting together and Martha is forcing George to drink the tea so she could become a Brit like him. And that, that was after Thomas Edison's plan came to effect. And then Sammy Adams is giving like his own version of a pep talk to Thomas Edison. And like even though you felt so hard, like at least you tried. But it turns out like that was not Thomas Thomas Edison's true plan. Like after seeing the effects of what he's doing to to American colonists, you know, Sammy Adams gave Tom, gave Thomas Edison this idea that beer is the opposite of tea. And then Samuel Sammy Adams goes on to this rant where beer won the war and then Thomas Edison says no it was science technically they're both right but yeah and technically they're both right that beer and science won the war and then like he hugs these two prafos and he said he had a dream of having a bigger fraternity and when he looks around he says all his dreams came true and that's the power of positivity and then like after drinking like the beer it turned Martha back into you know her old self and she's just like wearing this revealing like dress She's dressed up like as the Statue of Liberty, but like it, the, the outfit, it's quite revealing. Like, uh, yeah, and then like uh, Benedict Arnold, all he he he's seeing is like bros and fat frat bro, bros from the fraternity. And then it's just like this final showdown of him. It's just this final boss battle between him and Benedict Arnold. Yeah, and then George Washington says like you've been Benedict Arnold. Like every time they were portrayed by a close friend or or a trusted ally, they just they just get Benedict Arnold and they just made that into a thing. You know, and Ben and Ben he's pissed about that and he said he can't do that, but they just said they just voted on it and that's democracy. Anyway, Benedict Arnold he becomes full fledged werewolf and the crew they try to hold him down. Then they try to get ready for like the final shot that could kill Benedict Arnold. But like the bullet it gets lost and the crew tries to find it. George he's just trying to hold off werewolf Benedict Arnold as hard as he can. And then Martha, she stumbles onto the bullet. And George, you know, in this Dragon Ball Z moment, you know, you know, like in Dragon Ball Z, 
Goku holds down Raditz while Piccolo like charges up his special beam cannon. This is kind of like this moment, but like Martha, Martha gets ready to pitch like the silver bullet to the blacksmith, who's John Henry, and John Henry he <clears throat> he hits that he hits that bullet hard, like Jackie Robinson kind of style. And then like the bullet, the bullet he the bullet instantly kills Benedict Arnold. It blows his head off, and everybody's just celebrating their win. Is at the Washington is at the Washington Monument. Yeah, the newly built Washington Monument. And there's this, like, architect guy. He wants to know where... He wants to know he could put the Lincoln Memorial next to the Washington Monument. But George said, nah. Put the, put the Lincoln Memorial across across the reflecting pool. So that Abe could stare at his monument. And then Abe comes back, like, as a Jedi Force ghost. Got the Star Wars... These the amount of Star Wars references in this movie like feels like every parody movie has got to reference Star Wars. I guess like Star Wars is the big thing to make fun of now, especially with like the new trilogy. But it, this isn't my thoughts on the new trilogy. Ghost Ghost Lincoln gifts Abraham Lincoln the Declaration of Independence, you know, restored by invisible tape. And George Washington he makes he makes uh he he makes Samuel Adams his son's like godfather and then samuel say he doesn't know the thing about being a godfather he says this is like it's kind of like being a drunken abusive like it's just being like a reformed drunken abusive uncle and then then and then you know samuel Adams likes the idea he puts on the top hat that george gives him and then it turns out it's the uncle sam hat and then like uh, samuel adams he does like this uncle sam pose then it goes down to like the, then it cuts, then it transitions to like the end where George is addressing like the American people. And, and like, you know, and then like since they fought for their independence, they're trying to figure out what to do next. And then like one guy says, what about freeing the slaves? What about getting the, and then the other guy says, what about getting the Indians back? What about women's rights? What about, what about all these what about like the judicial systems? What about all these things that are going to be implemented into this new America? George George is having a hard time answering these questions, and everybody gets into a brawl, and then like it comes to a close of a George Wash a George Washington, and then he, in his last words of the film, he says, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna f this up, aren't we?" And then that the movie ends. All right, uh, this movie. Uh -huh. It has a pretty great casting list. It has Channing Tatum as George Washington, Jason Mazzucas as Sam Samuel Adams, Lee Mun as Thomas Edison, Andy Samberg as Benedict Arnold, Bobby Moynihan as Paul Revere, Judy Greer as Martha Washington, Will Forte as Abe Lincoln, Raul Trujillo as Geronimo, Killer Mike as John Henry the Blacksmith, and Simon Pegg as King James. You know what these these act they have a pretty good casting list it's, and you know each of these actors they have pretty good chemistry especially between Channing Tatum, Will Forte, and Jason Mantzoukas. But like uh, you know, just, the the story didn't really live up to their like didn't really live up to you know the story wasn't really all that great. But you know it's it's I think it's like a. Yeah, you know, sometimes esoterical comedy can be done right. 
But like right here, it's just you know blatant like all just stereotypes and pop culture references and just like basically like the filmmakers' ba basic opinion on American politics. Like yeah, but like the casting list is pretty great, especially you know Channing Tatum. He steals his he steals the spotlight in this movie and all the other supporting cast. They you know they contribute in this movie. They're pretty good. Especially Will Forte is Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> but, like, yeah. Judy Greer, she's pretty good as a voice actress. Like, uh, you know, like her performance in Archer is pretty unforgettable. And, and yeah, the, the, casting, the casting list for this movie is pretty, yeah, it's pretty good. But, like, yeah, the story just wasn't up for their, you know, overall performance. Alright, my over my overall thoughts on the film. This film was pretty stupid and it's pretty bad that it's funny, kinda stupid. Like if you just wanna get out a good laugh of just like watching a bunch of stereotypes, a bunch of you know a bunch of other, a bunch of other references and like retelling of the founding of America, then like this is your movie. Or or if you're just a fan of Phil Lord, then yeah, and then, yeah, I would recommend giving this movie out, but, like, just take it with a grain of salt. You know, like, the jokes in there are cringe, and and it's just, like, a pretty, like, pretty weird satirical movie. Like, if you were if you were to compare it to other satirical movies, like Team America, World Police, or, like, films like Year One, like, this film's it's jokes, and it's, like, it doesn't, it, the, the humor is not really subtle. In its approach. All of it is just thrown out out there. And it, some of the bad jokes. They come as soon as they leave. But like some of it is just like really dragged out. It's almost like um, they were trying to do like this Archer style comedy. But instead like they. They get something similar to this family. To this new family guy style comedy. But like I. But I do have to give him props. The film. The film's animation quality is top notch. It looks like if Archer which was touched up a bit. And it would look like you know what Archer would be like. It's just bad like they have a lot of potential. In this movie the film had a lot of potential to be a good satirical comedy. About the founding of America. And I don't think it's no coincidence that this movie will come out close to the 4th of July but yeah the animation quality is pretty good you have a bunch of these writers these producers that worked on shows and films such as Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse 21 and 22 Jump Street and Archer along with being paired up with Phil Lord Productions then you know it had a lot of potential because it had a lot of these great talented and more experienced people who have you know, who have won awards or who have gotten a lot of praise in the animation industry for their work. But, unfortunately, this, the story and the script is where the movie suffers the most. But, you know, this movie is not meant to be taken seriously. It's just, like, a very, you know, satirical, satirical comedy. You know, it's just a mix of, like, you know, pop culture references and... You know, basically making fun of anything that has to do with American politics, whether it's just American politicians, you know, rich, rich white politicians in charge, or just like, or just like stuff that happened in Mer that happened in America's past, are just re that are just being made up for laughs, or even like, if I were to rate it out of one out of five, I'd probably rate this at like a two point seven at most, probably like a three at best. Like it's just average. It's not great. It's not bad. But it's just, you know, it's just okay. 
Yeah, it's just a movie to watch like when you're just bored and you don't feel like watching anything else. Yeah, that's all that's all I have to say. Yeah, and this movie this movie just gets really ridiculous and it's bad that it's funny, but it's also really cringe at the same time. If you wanna check this movie out then you know go ahead, but that's just my overall thoughts of the film. Alright, and this has been my review for America the Motion Picture, the Netflix animated film. This is Behind the Scenes with Studio 96 with your host Luis Sanchez and signing off.